For much of this unusual season so far, Arsenal being top of the league has been an intriguing curio, an eyebrow-raising event that perhaps people didn't take that seriously. Yeah, they're playing well, but they won't stay top. Manchester City are going to catch them, aren't they? Well, the performance in winning the North London derby was mature and it might have just changed a few minds. If they beat Manchester United this weekend, that momentum is going to continue to build. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Top games deserve the top names to analyse them. We've got those today, of course. Mark O'Hare's been crunching the numbers in the Bet Cave. Now, Mark, at the time of recording, we don't know how Manchester City got on against Tottenham. We don't know if they've made up a bit of ground in that title race. But if we focus on Arsenal's performance just across the way at Tottenham at the weekend, they really did look the real deal. They've gone to Chelsea and won, Tottenham and won. They've beaten Liverpool at the Emirates. It's a proper team. Yeah, it really is. And, and based on the intro, I was probably one of those non-believers for, for a good while about this Arsenal team. I was kind of waiting, doubting them and sort of you know, just eager to see how they you know, follow up their next test. You know, this is the big barometer this weekend. So this is the big barometer. And, you know, they've lost Gabriel Jesus. Well, this is going to be a challenge now. Can they cope without him? Um, but they've gone and passed all of, almost all of those tests. And the one game that they did fail to win, or they did lose at Manchester United in the reverse fixture, they were the better team. I think that was, you know, most people suggested that. And I felt that way too. So, um, yeah, they've become title favourites now for the first time this season after last weekend. They lead the league by eight points. They've dropped points just three times in their opening 18 games. We've already said it on previous podcasts, but they are tracking to be one of the sort of all-time greatest Premier League teams in terms of points earned if they continue at this rate, which is really yeah, quite something really for a team who are 50-1 to 1 to win the title pre-season. But yeah, it's the way they're doing it. They're playing with such confidence and the way in which they handled that derby at Tottenham, just with minimum of fuss, was just exemplary really. And they've been really good fun to watch as well, which is, you know, I've really enjoyed watching them. They absolutely dominated Spurs. You could see the belief, um, the realisation that they could be onto something really special, you know, just pouring out of the players, particularly at the end of the game as well. Um, and you know that was uh, that's a massive and, and symbolic moment for them to go away to uh, to Tottenham and, and dominate in that manner too. So um, they're certainly not top of the league by fluke either. If you look at the underlying metrics in the Premier League this season, Man City still do top the expected points charts, but the margin between the two teams is, is pretty minimal. Um, and it's a very similar story with expected goals and. You know, I think that's got to be very encouraging. Normally, you sort of look at it and say, well, City are sky high clear of the charts, really. So um, surely it's going to, to revert at some point or other. But uh, Arsenal actually topped the 8, 12 and 16 game form tables for expected points and expected goals. So in actual fact, Arsenal have been the better team in, in recent weeks. And I think even with our eyes, we can probably see that too. So um, this is obviously the next uh, next big mammoth, mammoth match really for Arsenal. Um a lot of people were sort of suggesting that United are involved in this title race. Um, you know, they went to, to Crystal Palace on Wednesday night and, and were unfortunate not to win that game. But um, I think uh, from a United perspective, um, they've already played Manchester City home and away. Arsenal are still yet to play them. So that's quite significant, I think. Um, you know, Arsenal will probably be starting both of those games as outsiders. And suddenly that points deficit, you know, depending on what Man City do against Spurs, could be eked out very quickly. And I think it's well worth reminding ourselves that before we get too ahead of ourselves, you know, give respect to Arsenal, huge respect for what they've achieved so far. Um, we are only about 19 Premier League games 
into the season. So we're basically at the halfway point and, and it's sort of a three-game turnaround doesn't take much. So if Arsenal can sort of post that points tally across their first 19 games, you can absolutely bet your bottom dollar that Man City can sort of emulate that and do something similar in the second half of the campaign. And it wouldn't take a huge drop-off from Arsenal to see this game really, or see this title race really open up and United will be looking at it too and, and suggesting they can possibly get them get themselves into a position of promise too uh, if they were to get a positive result out of this match too so yeah fascinating I certainly don't think the title race is anywhere near over but um, interesting to see that Arsenal are now odds on to win the title Trader and tipster extraordinaire Emmett O'Keefe is with us once again Emmett Arsenal the odds on favourites here at 1.95 and as Mark says even though they've lost at Old Trafford the general consensus is they played really well yeah, exactly. It, it kind of feels that the way Arsenal are playing at the moment that it's kind of only injury can kind of really derail them. Some of the kind of weaknesses I thought about their squad coming into the season, the likes of Aaron Ramsdale and goal, Gabriel Magal as a centre back have kind of have really kind of shown up well in recent weeks. Uh, Ramsdale was kind of kind of the, the difference in, in goalkeepers was kind of the difference in the North London derby with Ramsdale kind of delivering a man of the match display and Hugo Lloris deliver, delivering a really horrific display, which has kind of raised questions about his about his kind of Tottenham future. I still think Magal is probably the only slight weak link in Arsenal's armour but I, but, I, but having said that it's hard to argue with an, an Arsenal side that have conceded the least amount of goals in the Premier League this season with 14 despite playing the kind of a really high line and playing kind of very very aggressively so it's kind of like you're having the best of, best of both worlds where you're playing incredibly aggressively and pressing high pressing high of the pitch and, and leaving gaps in behind but also kind of conceding the fewest goals it's kind of and kind of coming into this game the kind of the angle the angle I like is kind of the it is kind of under two and a half goals because of both teams defensive records since United have got on this this kind of great run they've only conceded seven league goals in their last 11 matches and our and Arsenal's defense has kind of has also been outstanding this season obviously part part of that part of that great run has, has been largely due to Casemiro I think is has been United's key player and even last night I was kind of disappointed from that. A, a, a as my my night fan that he got carded with the suspension, but also that the kind of draw in the game probably maybe took a little bit of the shine off what was a magnificent performance from Casemiro. It was a thou shall not pass performance where he was he was everywhere in terms of interceptions, sniffing out danger. It was a real kind of Roy Keane and Golo Kante performance, and it took a kind of an incredible strike from from. Michael Lee said to, to, to kind of to to, to, kind of to take away United's United's clean sheet, but kind of coming into this game, I can see Ayrton Hag taking a similar approach to what we saw in the Manchester derby, playing kind of a solid a solid kind of midfield three of maybe McTominay, Fred, and Eriksson, and trying to play kind of a cagey game with you know kind of maybe maybe kind of nicking it late, and with Arsenal we kind of saw against Tottenham last last week when they went two goals up, they did play very very deep and kind of defensively and kind of let Tottenham back into the game obviously this is an incredibly important game for Arsenal for Arsenal season if they if they if they go one nil up I could easily see them kind of dropping deep and kind of seeding ground in the last 20 minutes so all that I think plays into the under two and a half goals which looks which looks a little bit of value at odds against and worth including any, any of your bet builders the dashing data doctor Jake Oscarthorpe from Infogol part of the starting side again today Jake Emmett's absolutely right about Arsenal's defensive strengths. Right up there, one of the best defensive records in the league. I think only Newcastle um, uh, have eclipsed them in that regard. You look at them the other way, and they can score goals from everywhere. Erdegaard can hit them from long range. You've got Saka scoring goals, Martinelli scoring goals. Gabriel Jesus obviously injured, and Ketty has stepped up. They're a hard team to stop. 
They are, yeah, and performing like title um, winners, really. Um, the underlying data, as Mark said earlier, is literally, you know, they're pretty neck and neck with City in terms of what they're doing on a per game basis. Um, you know, they, they probably had a, a fairly even schedule at the moment, you'd say, with the pair in terms of playing top six sides home and away. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, they landed a nice winner for me last week back then to beat Spurs with the kind of premise of what price would would City be at Tottenham and they would have been a lot shorter I'm asking myself the same question here what price would City be at home to Manchester United um, you know if we go back to the, the meeting earlier in the season obviously United have improved since then but they were 1.45 in that game City at the Etihad um, you know, if, you, if you factor in Man United's improvement you probably would push that maybe to 1.65 and then you factor that in, you know, maybe, you know, Arsenal name-wise aren't a Man City name. Probably go to maybe 1.75, 1.8. You're still not at the 1.95 we're seeing right now. Um, and, you know, that, that for me is a bet. I'm happy to back them again, Arsenal. I really am. I think that, that we're, we're still at the stage now where the market, for whatever reason, is still underestimating them uh, in these kind of matches because they're viewing them as, as Arsenal of last season that finished fifth or the season before that, you know, finished with eighth. Um, whereas they're not, they're performing like uh, like a, a the underlying data is is in line with Man City. Um, you know, it's it, they are at that kind of level. And if this was if if they put these kind of numbers up over a ten game period, you could maybe say, all right, we'd expect a little bit of a drop off. But they've done it for half a season now, um, which suggests to me that they're they're not going to be hitting a decline anytime soon. Not a rapid one, anyway. They're going to be at this kind of level for the majority of the campaign and. Um, yeah, I'm more than happy to get involved with Arsenal for, for that reason. At home, this being at the Emirates is huge for me. Um, they're, they're the best home team in the league, in my opinion. Defensively, they are the best statistically at home. 0.85 expected goals against per game. Um, and, you know, United, they have looked much better recently, but I'm still not having them away from home. I still think they're vulnerable travellers. Um, they've won five of ten away from home. They've beaten Wolves, Everton, Leicester, Southampton. And Fulham, so they've beaten four of the bottom six, and a Fulham side who are overperforming in the seventh. Um, there's no big scalps there whatsoever. They've lost at City. They drew at Chelsea. You know, during the the Potter kind of, I think that was the game actually just after they'd won three of uh, of four Chelsea. So um, they nearly lost that game as well. They, didn't they, they did, they yeah. Needed a late a late, a late Casemiro goal. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm not, you know, not been massively impressed with with United away from home in general. Um, and Arsenal at home are just fantastic and scintillating. And, you know, Newcastle went there, parked, not not quite parked the bus, but you could see their intent was to kind of keep a clean sheet, avoid defeat. Um, and I just think that Man United will try and do a little bit of what they did at Old Trafford. But given that, that Arsenal have got a blueprint for stopping that now, um, I don't think they'll have as much success. And, and Emmett said there, Casemiro... His his omission, his absence is going to be, you know, huge. Um, the the drop-off from him to whether it is McFred that play um, it, it's you know that that is unquantifiable really and, and it, from a ratings perspective I'd be interested to know from a trader's standpoint what kind of knock do you give United with Casemiro not being in the side 
yeah, it's very interesting. I was kind of thinking about it. Usually with kind of the only players that, that really kind of move the line in terms of prices are attacking players. Like I've kind of, like, so for a good example this year would be if when Mitrovic doesn't, the players I'd say who make the most difference to the, the odds of teams in the Premier League would be Mitrovic and Ivan Tony. Um, just especially, especially the drop off from Mitrovic to Carlos Vinicius is really big. And Mitrovic is kind of clearly Fulham's best player. Um, and I think that we've kind of seen some big line moves in some of the Fulham games where Mitrovic hasn't played. And similarly with Brentford, you, you, even though um, Brentford beat Liverpool when Tony was ruled out of the Liverpool game, the Liverpool price really kind of really contracted. But yeah, I think in terms of like midfield players, I think Cas and kind of outside of it, outside of those two, I think Casemiro w- w- wouldn't be far off. I think we've yeah, like the from a United point of view, even just watch watching watching how good he, how good he's been this season is kind of it's like yeah, it's it's it's, it's worth. Maybe 0.05 or 0.1 of a goal. Definitely, I think it's it's it's, it's it, 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 it definitely would move the price for sure. Well, you can get a £5 free bet when you place a £5 bet builder on Arsenal versus Manchester United. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. So if we were to put together a bet builder for you, let's start with Mark. What would you throw in? I am going to throw in Arsenal's top Premier League goalscorer to have a shot on target in this match. Uh, I was surprised to learn Arsenal's top league goalscorer this season is Martin Erdegaard, who's got eight goals. Um, he's landed a shot on target in 10 of his last 15 starts, and he's had two or more shots in 11 of those 15 starts. He's on set pieces, of course, and as you've already mentioned, he's a real threat from distance too, but he's also making sort of uh, advanced runs to join the attack when possible too. But there's just a, a, a massive price differential in the market. You can back Erdegaard to have two or more shots at 3 to 10. That's 1.3 in decimals. Or you can back him to have a shot on target at 8 to 13, which is 1.62. So effectively double the price. Whereas if you're going to back him to have two or more shots, it's likely that at least one of those will probably be on target. So I think you're getting a nice price there on Arsenal's top goal scorer just to land an effort on target. He took his goal against Spurs exceptionally well. Uh, Jake, what would you throw in? I'm happy to just go with Arsenal to win. Um, I, I really do think that this is <laughs> for all the reasons I highlighted before. But this is quite this is a huge game. Um, just you know, in terms of the title race, in terms of Arsenal's psyche, if they can come away from matches against Spurs and and United with six points uh, before they play City in the cup, and then obviously in the league. Yeah, they're they're in an unbelievable position right there. Um, and if you look down the road a little bit further, they've got two w- winnable games before the City League game, and then three winnable games after it. So, if they win this match, it kind of takes the pressure off that City game because if they do what they do or what they have done to the rest of the league in those matches either side, then um, yeah, it, it, it's looking really good for them. So, Arsenal to win, throw that in the bet builder. And before I ask Emmett his selection, I'm going to break the fourth wall here and ask Emmett, who was at the door? He went to the front door. Was there anybody exciting? Yeah, no, we've uh, new trainers being delivered. So I had to answer the door for that. Yes, <laughs> that's the answer I wanted. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, other brands are available. What are they? Um, I've gone for all birds. I was um, not very original. I was go- go- googling most comfortable, most comfortable runners, and uh, and <laughs> not exactly. That's the and stage they, we're at now. Is that, it? That's the stage we're at. Yeah, they're, they're, I've got I them before, and, and, and they're quite nice. So that's that's what I've gone for. Tree dashers, if, if you're looking for them. Good, uh, good advertising there. MSO Keith says they're quite nice. So Emmett, <laughs> uh, what would your selection be? 
Yeah, so un- under two and a half goals. I think I, I kind of like the way this kind of bet builder shape I think I think kind of a low scoring Arsenal win with kind of an o- o- Odegaard shot and target is is kind of very conceivable. I think we've seen. You, 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 despite their improvements under Ayrton Hag, this is still a kind of United team that's heavily reliant on on kind of Marcus Rashford in, in attack, and, and possibly might not be fully fit as we kind of saw against Palace last night. Yes, if you uh, didn't see the Saturday show, by the way, you'll know that kind of bizarre interruptions to the pod have been the running theme. Uh, I had the uh, skybox replaced halfway through the first show. Uh, Jake disappeared to uh, see to his dog, didn't you, Jake? At one stage, yeah, uh, and I was on mute that. as well when I didn't realise. So there you go, and then and then Emmett gave him some lovely trainers delivered. So there we go. It's only Mark behaving. Yeah, exactly. We're all taking the show incredibly seriously, as you can tell. Uh, Manchester City face Wolves. That is a game that we should take seriously. We don't know what City did against Tottenham, but Jake, this is a test for them because whatever happened against Spurs. Wolves have improved under Julian Lopetegui. I know they were a bit toothless against Liverpool in midweek in the FA Cup, but generally they've looked better in the league. They have, yeah. And, you know, one thing that we can always rely um, upon when we're talking about Wolves is a solid defence. Even before Lopetegui came in, the defensive process ranked in the top half based on expected goals, and, and it's kind of continued at that that kind of rate, giving them a really solid base to kind of build a um, you know survival push um, yeah, I, I think that they can do a you know a decent enough job of slowing this Manchester City attack down um, at the weekend. Um, I know that City, on paper anyway, they're still creating loads of good chances. Um, they've, they've scored just uh, once, though, in four of the last five matches. So they've only hit multiple goals um, in one of the last five, which is against Leeds. Um, the underlying numbers have still been fairly strong over that period but there seems to be um you know something a little bit off you know on the eye test I thought they were really poor in the derby last weekend they didn't create anywhere near enough chances um to deserve to win the game it was just a one big chance effectively that fell to Grealish just 0.67 expected goals in that match which was actually one of the lowest xg totals they've ever created under Pep Guardiola um so yeah Wolves we know will go to to the Etihad and, and aim to frustrate uh you know they're not they're not going to go uh, and have a, a ding-dong battle with Manchester City it's just not how they play um so yeah I think that the, the Wolves low scoring game theme will continue here and um I was pleasantly surprised to see we can back under three goals on the Asian line at, at 2.08 um it may sound counterintuitive to back uh to oppose goals at the Etihad given how many they've been this season but you know City, their attack isn't firing at the same rate. And I think that Wolves have shown enough defensive solidity um, under Lopetegui to to suggest that they can at least play this quite close and, and keep things very, very tight. Um, and the under three goal line would have actually paid out as a winner in three of City's last seven, but it would have pushed in three as well. So it would only lost in one of the last seven Manchester City Premier League matches. Um, and it would have landed in three of four under Lopetegui with a push in the other one as well. So uh, recent fixtures suggest that this has got a really good chance of landing. And obviously, you know, I'm not expecting Wolves to go there and win. I'm not expecting them to even score. I'm just expecting them to at least keep it under a 4-0 scoreline. Uh, even if it's 3-0 and we get our money back, you know, at least we've had a bit of a bit of fun and we've cheered on a, a, a one that's gone close. Um, but I, I, I expect this to be a very hard-fought win for City. I don't think it'll be easy. So something like a 2-0 um, is where I'd be looking. But yeah, the, the odds against Price, I thought, was was really enticing. Yeah, I think we said at the time that we thought Lopetegui would give Wolves a really good chance of staying up. Emmett, there has been 
an improvement, hasn't there? It does seem as if a team that was kind of going nowhere under Bruno Large suddenly has a bit of direction. Absolutely, yeah. In terms of kind of teams, teams who were kind of uh, uh, were kind of improving their rating and kind of in terms of I'm more positive on their outlook on the season than that I was was a month ago. Wolves are really high on that list. I think the, the, a couple a couple of key things, obviously Lapetey coming in, but also restoring kind of Matthias Cunha in in a kind of a key role in the starting lineup. This is a player who Liverpool are interested to kind of to, to kind of. Uh, to, to kind of improve their midfield and and Wolves spent big money on I think I think he he's a really good player and is starting starting to show a bit of form and Matthias Cooney as well up front I think is like a kind of a borderline Champions League level striker that was on, that was only out of favour at Atletico because of the glut of strikers they had there and given that Wolves were starting the likes of Diego kind of a past as best Diego Costa that, that that's that, that that's kind of a huge improvement for Wolves as well. And I'm just as Jake outlined, there's a lot of negatives around City. What Ilkay Gundogan said about kind of the n- not the kind of same hunger and kind of um, and kind of and, and, and kind of desire as we've seen previously, it was kind of was worrying. And that's kind of and the, the way they kind of subsided meekly at Southampton and subsided in the derby. Sorry, someone someone at my door here again. Um, but yeah, I, I for, for, for all for all the reasons that kind of uh, that myself and Jacob mentioned, I'd probably be a bit more positive. I'd go for maybe Wolves plus two, plus two on the handicap at around 13 to 10. But I would actually wouldn't put anyone off uh, backing Wolves in the exchange at at 16 to one a small, small stake. I think I, I think was I think was I think Wolves would keep this very competitive. I wonder how to win. Go and get the door, Emmett. Go, 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 go. Right, let's head to Monday night's London battle between West and North. Spurs go to Fulham. We don't know how Spurs did against Manchester City, but even if they won, Mark, it's still a tricky time for Antonio Conte, assuming by the time that this pod goes out, he's still actually in a job. (laughs) Yeah, true. Um, Yeah, expecting goals, expecting entertainment in this match on Monday night. Um, We've talked about Fulham many times. They are the goal kings of the Premier League, and then you're playing a Spurs team, Still probably reeling from recent poor form and poor results, including that derby defeat. But with Richarlison and Kulizewski back in the squad and available, Son and Kane as well. To me, there's just too much attacking quality in that team to be so turgid so often. So I think they will get their chances. I think they can score and they can make a bit of a game of this. But uh, it won't be easy. Uh, Obviously, Fulham beaten at Newcastle last week. Could have been so different had Mitrovic's penalty been allowed to stand always feel it's quite a, a harsh ruling that against a penalty but other than that they've been really really good and really good fun to follow actually that that Newcastle game is only the third time they failed to score this season the previous two were against Wolves and Everton and they combined for an expected goals tally of around 6.0 across those two fixtures so definitely should have scored in at least one of those matches as well uh, and at the cottage they scored 9 of 10 since promotion and they scored multiple goals in seven of those 10 matches too going right back to the opening day against Liverpool where you know they've proven it wasn't just a one-off performance they've been very very good and very very competitive at home for the most part the issue has always been defence and Jake has highlighted it before but they're full of trending in sort of bottom three bottom six territory for chances conceded xg against and all the other sort of defensive data you look towards and it's just one home clean sheet all season 
Five of their visitors to the cottage have scored at least twice, uh, and that includes Bournemouth, uh, and that's despite yet facing Arsenal or City at the cottage as well. So, you know, if Bournemouth can score twice here, I absolutely believe Spurs can contribute to the score sheet. Nine of those 10 games at the cottage have gone overs. Eight of those 10 have featured both teams to score winners. And then you look at Tottenham. Only Man City's matches are featuring more goals per game than Spurs' tally of 3.36. 11 of 19 have gone over. 11 of 19 have seen BTTS. Five of their nine away have gone over three and a half. They've managed five clean sheets all season, but they scored in 16 of those 19 fixtures as well. Uh, I think it's also probably worth mentioning that uh, the two teams with the worst record for conceding at least two goals this season are meeting here on Monday night. They both conceded two goals or more in 10 of their 19 fixtures, which is quite an appalling record for a Spurs side chasing a top four finish, uh, but quite impressive for a Fulham side promoted and already featuring in the top six too. So uh, yeah, expecting goals, entertainment and uh, over two and a half goals is around about 1.8, which I thought was a big price. So I'm happy to get involved. Yeah, Jake, uh, Mark's made the case for goals there. Is that one you'd go along with? Very much so, yeah. Not too too much to add to that, to be honest. Um, yeah, high ratios for, for goals across the season so far for the pair. Underlying numbers match up in terms of suggesting there's going to be quite a lot of chances. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like this bet. I really do. I think the price on the exchange at the moment when I looked was about 1.81. Um, I think that's a cracking bet. Lovely stuff. This football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. Leeds up against Brentford on Sunday. Two progressive sides who like to play attacking football, but Brentford doing it rather better at the moment. Emmett, first of all, who was at the door? More trainers this time. <laughs> uh, the postman didn't scan the <laughs> didn't scan the item or something like that. So he was kind of. Oh dear! I, I was trying trying to ignore him, but so you that. effectively stole some trainers and then it looked <laughs> no, as though no, you no, weren't no. going to let them back in. Oh dear! No, oh dear! Yeah, yeah. We were anyway. nearly witnesses to a crime there. Okay, well. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we don't, we don't get a third interruption. But anyway, I'll just on 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 kind of on Brentford Brentford v Leeds. I just think that the way Brent Willey set up in terms in terms of that high that high aggressive press and kind of leaving space at the back is absolutely is just ab- absolutely perfect for for, for for the way Brentford play. We saw in, in terms of Brentford's wins over Liverpool, Man City, and Man United how they can exploit teams that kind of they really kind of play a high line. The just I think I think as well just into like I think there's a huge uh, in terms of like leads of centre halves versus I think you need a, you need a strong centre half pairing against Embuemo and Tony I don't think Leeds really have that I I, I I just I can't see it's I find it hard to see Brentford scoring probably less less than two, less than two goals here I think it's, it's all set up for them I know I know Leeds had a good win in the cup but there are on there are kind of Kind of issues beneath the surface in terms of the fans calling for Marsh's head. Despite actually playing fairly well against Aston Villa last week, and I think that there are signs that there's a bit of a bit of unrest in the club. And just for however well Leeds play in matches, they just they can't. They always just give up big chances. It's just every kind of every goal can see expected goals and real goals numbers you look at. Their defense is just too leaky, and Brentford have been superb. Have been superb since the kind of since the World Cup break. So. 
given all of that, I can't see how Brentford are a 3.0 for the match here. I would have had, just when I was, when I was pricing this game up this week, I'd only had Brave, maybe Brentford, maybe slight underdogs. And and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I like Brentford here to win. If you're looking for a bigger price than 3.0, maybe Brentford to win and both teams to score or uh, or, or kind of a Brentford win and Ivan Tony to score. But yeah, I, I'm, I really like Brentford at the price here. Mark, is this the way you'd go as well, pro-Brentford? Uh, kind of. I wouldn't be as pro or strong on Brentford, although I do agree with a lot of Emmett's points. I'd much prefer just to focus on goals and so I don't have to care who, who wins or loses this match because I think the overs, again, represents real value here. And just just on Leeds, I wouldn't be quite as downbeat on them. Um, I thought they were superb at Villa Park and, and came away with nothing. And I felt so sorry for for Leeds and Jesse Marsh, because after the game he said that's probably the most complete performance since I took charge, which has almost been a year now. Uh, and it's difficult to really d- disagree with that because they conceded stupidly early and it was a, a silly goal to concede. But after that, they, you know, I know game state plays in their favour, but they were excellent. And there's only really Emmy Martinez being Superman and some last gasp defending and some decisions that went against them that, that denied them. And that's just football for you. At times, you can be the better team and you can dominate matches and not get your just desserts. And, and that certainly happened for Leeds. And I think the positive was that came away from Ellen Road. Uh, you know, I guess that's the pleasing aspect because most of their positive performances have come at home, but it still is now, I think, three wins from, from 18 across all competitions and, and no Premier League wins since the 5th of November. So the pressure is is definitely on. Uh, but as I say, most of their good performances have come at home, just three defeats in nine, all of which came against top six teams. I know Brentford aren't far away from that right now either, but uh, Leeds have scored multiple goals in five of those nine games. And they showed last week they've got no issue really with chance creation. They've only failed to score in five Premier League games all season, which is a really good going actually. And that was at home to, to Arsenal and, and, and Aston Villa shut them up at Ellen Road as well. That's the only two times they failed to score at home. They've obviously spent a lot of money on a player you know very well from his Bundesliga days, Kev, uh, Jorginho Rutter. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah, yeah Jorginho Rutter, very exciting not always the most consistent, but one of those players that a little bit like Nonto in the sense that they're unpredictable. They'll they'll do things you don't expect, always looking to affect the game, always looking to run at people. Yeah, I think he's a really good signing for them, potentially. Yeah, I, I think he fits the lead style perfectly, really, because, I mean, Rodrigo's having the best season he's had since he's moved to, to English football. Bamford's back fit. He scored in, in back-to-back games now, which is a huge plus. And Gnonto's been absolutely exceptional since he's come into the team. Just a just a live wire. So much fun. I saw him a few times playing in Switzerland last season. Uh, didn't expect him to make the step up and, and be so good in this league so soon. But um, the issue is just defensively, as Emmett says, they've kept three clean sheets all season. They've considered two goals or more in 10 of 18. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Brentford as well. Just looking at Brentford, I was really surprised to see they've only lost four games all season in the Premier League. Uh, only Arsenal, Man City and Newcastle can better that record. Uh, and Thomas Frank was talking last weekend about, you know, people need to sort of start pinching themselves because Brentford winning three games on the spin in the Premier League and Brentford being unbeaten in seven in the Premier League is quite historic stuff. And it's become to, you know, we've come to start, start thinking it's kind of normal really for Brentford and Brighton to be competing in the top half. But yeah, I mean, I expect them to, to cause Leeds plenty of problems. They scored in 15 of 19. They scored two goals and were in five of nine away, even though they've only won twice on their travels. But similarly, defensive flaws on the road, uh, even that going back to, to promotion, they've managed four clean sheets in 28 away games since they've been promoted and they've allowed 1.89 goals per game on their travels in that sequence as well. So, you know, just to collectively, I think we've got two lively teams, both with different sets of threats, but really with a proactive approach uh, and defensive flaws. And I think that can lend itself to be quite a, an exciting 
goal-laden game on Sunday afternoon, so I'd be going down the overs route again. And finally, one of the biggest games on the European calendar this weekend. Do you like the Netherlands? Do you like a bit of violence on the pitch? Good! Feyenoord against Ajax, that's what you want. Uh, and actually, they're both in the mix for the title. Sometimes Feyenoord are just rubbish, but they raise their game for this one. But actually, Emmett, it's a proper game between two proper teams here. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I was kind of thinking back to what you said, Kevin, at the start of the season about the Ajax manager, Alfred Schroeder, about him being kind of a big question mark, replacing Ten Hag, and and kind of given all the players that Ajax, I, I, um, Ajax had lost, he mightn't be the, the right man to necessarily transition Ajax into that kind of new new team. I think we've kind of started to see that in that like Ajax... Ajax are winless in their last five Eredivisie matches, and now I wouldn't have the stats to have. But I, I can, I could, I, I could, I'd speculate that that hasn't happened in in many, many years. And just even some of the underlying stuff, they Ajax lost the XG battle to to Emmen, um, who were who were sit, who were sitting around the relegation zone in in the Eredivisie a couple of matches ago. They played a home game against FC Twente in their last match, and Ajax had 0.34 expected goals. Twente had 1.92. I think it's beyond belief, isn't it? It's beyond I mean, belief. That's it's, it's, it's not normal. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I excuse, are usually smashing teams on, on, on both the correct score and the and the expected goals in the RDVZ. Like, like we've kind of we saw recently that um, Daily Blend left left in a kind of a free transfer with kind of some speculation that he wasn't kind of getting on with the coach. Ix to me just look look a team in real decline, and they're they're priced here as kind of. Uh, uh, kind of uh, as favourites here away away at Farnyard, which looks at price purely on reputation rather than the, the, the and then the underlying numbers and the form. Farnyard have won four of their last five Eredivisie matches. They're top of the Eredivisie. They look a far more solid proposition here, and I think f- 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 like. It, Backing Farnyard at the match odds, they're around two point eight in the exchange, or or backing them, backing them drawn or bet at slightly odds against. But both look like value bets to me. Mark, everything's trending towards everybody realizing what a good coach Ten Hag is at Manchester United. But actually, this further backs that up, doesn't it? Because he's left Ajax. Schroeder is not the right man. For, for that job um, he's been a, an effective assistant at a few places but Hoffenheim weren't having him and that didn't work in the long term and some of the players fell out with him and it's deja vu really yeah just a really odd appointment uh, Ajax are normally quite good at their succession planning but um, you know to be in a, a such a strong position domestically in terms of the money that they've earned through the Champions League and dominating division you know, they're just throwing it all on the bonfire uh, at the minute. And I, I'm so surprised he lasted the, the World Cup break. Uh, I thought that was a great opportunity for them to to reset, really. Um, he lacks charisma. He's clearly not a people person. Um, I know they've had injury issues. Um, you know, Emmett talked about the, the Twente game last week. They were down to 10 men after half an hour in that game. And, and Bergwijn, Berghaus and, and Kudus had only just come back into the squad and so were on the bench. But even still, before the red card, Twente had hit the post twice in the opening 10 minutes and could have been out of sight before the red card. So, you know, there's excuses, but then there's actual facts and realities that Ajax have just been dreadfully underperforming. And I think the story surrounding Daily Blinn's departure, a lot of it sort of came out this week. Just, it just, you know, it just sends horrible messages about what's going on behind the scenes. 
scenes at the club. Uh, it sort of stems from the, the hierarchy and the story surrounding Overmars uh, a couple of years ago as well. So a, a bit of a stink around Ajax at the minute, and I'm just very surprised that they're going into this match as favourites. If you look at the league table, they're actually third. They're five points off Feyenoord, who are top. It's RZ Alkmaar, who are actually second in the league because their form has been brilliant. Um, so, yeah, there's a, a realistic opportunity here for Feyenoord to move eight points clear of, of Ajax, which would be a real statement at this stage of the season. They've only lost once in the Eredivisie all season. That was 4-3 away at PSV. And as Emmett says, Ajax winless in five, drawn four of those games. Those games have involved that match against Emmett, as well as a, a trip to NEC Nijmegen as well, which is uh, really quite alarming. They're winless in three against the top five, and just the mood around the club is rotten. Fans are, are really furious about things. And we talk about um, Schroeder and how uh, such a strange appointment he was. Complete opposite in the opposite dugout, um, final Giovanni Slot, who's... He's just been tremendous. I'm, I'm sure he's a coach destined for really big things. He worked wonders with RZ and he's doing similar with Final too. If, if he can clinch a title with this team, it'll be a, a huge achievement really. And um, I'm going to play it much more cautious because it is De Classico and anything can happen. Discipline comes into thing comes into the, the reckoning too. But um, I think to be able to get Final plus a quarter on side at just shy of 1.8, Considering all that we talked about is uh, is a really really appealing bet to me. We basically make money if final don't lose a home to this Ajax team who are basically in crisis. Well, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of other podcasts in the Betfair family, including NFL Only Better. As the playoffs continue, we've got two racing shows, the Wading Podcast and Racing Only Better. So racing fans well catered for there. From Jake, from Emmett, from Mark, from Emmett's Postman and from me, it's goodbye for now.